Let's take our Bibles, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at a couple more points going down the chapter here at God's invitation. God's invitation. And let's read from verse number 14 down to verse number 21. <clears throat> it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. I ask you, Lord, that you would just give me the power I need to preach this message this morning. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to focus on the truth that you want us to learn. Lord, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we are focusing on in this particular passage, going back to verse number 14, it says, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. The word calling means an invitation. So that's why I called the message God's invitation, God's calling. It's not just any calling, it's a high calling. And that word high means from the heavens. So it didn't come from earth. There's nobody down here that called you this way. This is from heaven himself, from God. And uh, like I said last week, folks, you need to remember that if there is a higher calling, I'll tell you this right now, there's also a lower one. And you'll either listen to one or the other. And I'll tell you, the lower calling is going to keep you from fulfilling the higher calling. But I'll tell you, God's not the one that gave the lower calling. <laughs> the devil's the one that gives that calling. He wants to drag you away from what God has for your life. But the Lord is calling from heaven, so we need to answer. We need to make our decision whether we are truly going to press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we looked, like last week, we looked at how it's an invitation from heaven. And we also looked at, and this is really the point, the last point I talked about, it's an invitation for those that are in Christ. So we press toward the mark for the prize calling, uh, for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And that's very important because you need to be saved. You need to be placed into Christ. That's how you know that your debt is paid for. What do you owe for your sin? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, either you're going to pay that or Christ is going to pay that for you. And the only way that his payment is going to apply to your debt is if you are in him. Because like I always say this to people, you're placed into him pre-death. 
That means when the father saw his son go to the cross and die, was buried and rose again, if you've received Christ as your Savior, he saw you in him. Now let me ask you this. If he saw you in the death of his son, it says that you're baptized into his death, baptism he's placed into, if you are placed into his death, and that death happened 2,000 years ago, what is left for you to pay for your salvation? Nothing. The Father has been satiated, or the Bible calls it a propitiation. Propitiation means that Jesus Christ became the focal point, or became the, the, the thing that took the wrath for us on our behalf. He became the propitiation. If he took that for you, and you were baptized into his death when you received Christ as Savior, what do you have left to owe, to pay? Well, somebody said, well, you've got to try hard. <laughs> Is that a part of the debt? Did, was part of the debt for you to do something to achieve salvation? Well, I want you to show me in the scripture where that is. The only aspect of whether you're going to heaven or hell is whether your debt's been paid. And if you receive Christ as your Savior, your debt has been paid. You're in Him. This calling is for those that are in Christ Jesus. Those that have received Christ as their Savior. And not only that... Being in Christ Jesus also affords you some things. In fact, all the riches of Christ and the wisdom of Christ and everything that is Christ is now available to you as one that is in Him. Because if you're going to serve Him and you're going to push forward toward this mark, you're going to need more than what you've got. Amen? Your talents and abilities are not going to be sufficient. No matter how great you are at what you do. Because I'll tell you, it's not your talent that wins people, it's what's in your spirit. And the reason why there's a lot of talented people out there that are in church, but they don't do anything for God is because their spirit's not right. Amen? And that spirit is completely affected by how you perceive yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ and whether you're drawing from the strength of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the power of his might. Amen. It's got to be drawing on him. And for that to happen, you need to walk with him. You need to spend time with him. And then your spirit gets energized through that because your spirit is what connects to God. Amen. And that's why, like we talked about this morning, how in that passage, lift up your hands that hang, your feeble knees. It's a person that's not drawing upon the strength of God, but he's saying, turn to God. Walk with me so that I can lift you up. I can give you strength in your knees again. I can cause you to stand. Amen? That's what we need. So it's an invitation for those that are in Christ. Now, the next point I have here, it's an invitation with God's help. This is a nice thing about this invitation. He's not just throwing it out there and saying, hey, guys, I got something for you to do. I'll see you when you get here guess what he is intricately involved in every aspect of the race that you're running and he is there to help you every step of the way 
verse number 15, it says this. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, and that just means mature. It's not saying you're sinlessly perfect. In fact, you are not sinlessly perfect. You've got sin in you, whether you like it or not. But that sin has to be dealt with progressively until Jesus Christ comes. But what you can be is be what he wants you to be today. And if you are where God wants you to be today and you've been heeding him and you've been saying, yes, Lord, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. When the preacher preaches and the invitation comes and that is put before you, you say, yes, yes, Lord, I submit to that. Guess what? You are perfect in his eyes. Positionally, you're perfect because you're in Christ, but practically you're perfect because you're not bucking him. You're mature. You're where you ought to be. A two-year-old ought to act like a two-year-old. A five-year-old acts like a five-year-old. A 12-year-old acts like a 12-year-old. A 25-year-old acts like a 25-year-old. Hey, I don't, as a 50-year-old, look back at a 10-year-old and say, hey, you should be like 50. That's the way we are sometimes as Christians. (laughs) But you know what the Lord does when he sees the two-year-old? He says, that's perfect. You know what he does when he sees a five-year-old? That's perfect. It doesn't mean you're staying as a five-year-old, but what it means is that you're exactly where God wants you to be at five years old. Amen? So if you're a five-year-old Christian, then behave like a five-year-old Christian. If you just got saved last week, hey, that's where you are. You're going to say stupid things. <laughs> Amen. I remember when I got saved. I was so gung-ho, I would just bleh. And everybody, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for me, the Lord says, perfect. Perfect. Do you understand that? Oh, yeah, but not this guy over here because he's looking. Oh, right away he thinks he's all Mr. Gung-ho. In God's eyes, he's perfect. Are you You that look down at your nose at someone that's a two-year-old acting like a two-year-old, and you're supposed to be a 20-year-old acting like a 20-year-old, and you're acting like a 15-year-old. You say, well, I'm not a two-year-old. Well, no, you're 15, but you ought to be 20. He's saying, you're not perfect. You haven't been making the decisions that you need to make. There's something that's hit you along the line, either through your personal Bible reading or through the preaching of the Word of God. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you something. These messages aren't just picked out of a hat here. I believe the Lord has predetermined for this church to grow in a certain way. And I believe when you hear the Word of God being preached, and it has nothing to do with me and how great you think I am, because I don't think I'm great at all. But all I know is the Word of God is great, and when it's being preached, God is requiring you to respond to His Word. And you say, I'm not going to listen because I don't like the preacher. You're still not perfect. And he doesn't take that excuse. You still got to do right. Amen? Because it's the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You tell me if I'm not preaching the truth. Amen? Reveal. He says... As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, that means imperfect, in a way that 
God says, no, I don't want you to be like that. I, I want you to change. I want you to make a decision here. I want you to take a step forward. I want you to grow a little bit. God is interested in that next step of growth in your life. Amen? This is God saying this. He's saying, If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. God's a help to you. Now, if you've, you've, if you've reached perfection, I'm sorry, you might as well not just come to church. Stay home. Go be perfect. <laughs> Amen. But you know something? Every one of us here, maybe you're a 20-year-old today in the Lord, but tomorrow you're going to be a 20-year-old and one day. And that means a little more is going to be required of you. And in one more year, you're going to be 21. So a little more is going to be required of you. <coughs> I have more expectations <coughs> for my son Seth than for Jeremiah. I do. Because more is required for him. He's had more time to grow, more time to learn. Amen? If you'd be otherwise minded, and this is why dad and mom are involved in your life, Kids. <laughs> They're almost taking that position. They're coming to you and they're saying, kids, I've noticed you haven't been talking right. So we're not like-minded here. We're not of the same mind in relation to where we ought to be. So I'm here to reveal to you, reveal to you that you're not of the right mind. That's your position as a parent. Reveal means to remove a veil or a covering, exposing to open view what before was hidden. And so what God does is, is he lifts the veil on those things that are hidden in your life so that you can see them. So well, if they're in me, I would know them. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's called blind spots, amen? And folks, if you think you know everything about yourself, you are foolish. The Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You don't know your heart. That's why you need a steady diet of the Word of God. You need thy word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need the Word of God. The entrance of thy words giveth light, the Bible says. Giveth understanding unto the simple, is what it says. Amen? The entrance of thy words. So they have to enter. Amen? And you know what? You could be here today and I could be preaching. Doesn't mean the words are entering. There's got to be a receptive heart that says, Lord, I'm willing to receive your word today. In fact, before you ever got to this place, this morning you should have talked to God about it and say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm going to receive it. My ears are open. Jesus said, let he who hath ears, let him hear. Open the spiritual ears. Some of us have our ears turned off before we walk in the door. It's true. You ain't going to change. I'm not going to make him think he's right. <laughs> Amen. You're not going to meet me at the end. I'm not the one that you're going to look in the eye. You're going to meet Christ. Amen. It's amazing how he can use imperfect things to do perfect work. <clears throat> but he can. 
He used imperfect people to give us a perfect Bible. The world still can't get over it. Oh, how do you expect the Bible to be perfect? Everybody's imperfect. Says, yeah, that's a miracle, isn't it? We must have a real God. Amen. Or how can you have a perfect Savior coming from an imperfect virgin? Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That means we've got a powerful God. All you're doing is proving God right, <laughs> that he's great. And you're also proving that you can't get your head around what God can do. You look at your life, the things he can do with you. Stop drawing that line. There was a day I had long hair down to there. I'd go into a restaurant, order some food. I wouldn't even look at the waiter or waitress. I was like, I'll take this. I couldn't even look at people. You look at me and say, least likely to succeed. <laughs> Amen. I vote. <laughs> sure. And I felt that way about myself. But I'll tell you when the words came in. When God began to change my heart with the power of his word, he gets all the glory and honor. But he did it. And he's still doing it. Still things that he's working in my heart and life and changing me and building me. And, and I'm looking forward to the next thing he does and how he brings me further until Jesus comes. Amen. Because he's constantly revealing. <clears throat> he's constantly removing the veil and, and, and exposing those things that are hidden. You know, if you're one of these people that are constantly trying to make excuses, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> or justifying yourself, you don't like people to think that you can be wrong, I'm going to tell you what your life is like. You don't grow. You are not growing. You will not admit weakness. And if you don't admit weakness, you will not grow. Amen. And I've, I've had head-to-heads of people like that in my whole ministry experience. <laughs> Trying to help them to see what would help them to go forward. Nope, 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 nope. And they dig their heels in. And not only do they not grow, but they backslide. Don't be like that. <laughs> he wants to reveal things unto you. Let him reveal it. Amen. You don't have to confess your sins to me, praise God. I can't handle that. <laughs> but he's the one that wants to hear you. And you should. And so the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye, ye need not that any man teach you. Now, if you're a rebel, you're going to say right there, See, I don't need a preacher. <laughs> I'll say, Okay, bye-bye. See how you fare. I've had people that are bucking God that would use that particular phrase to say, I don't need anybody like you to teach me. And I had them tell me that straight to my face. I said, well, there's a lot of other Bible that tells you that you do. That he's giving you pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. But it goes on to say here, <coughs> And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So that means, as you're abiding in the Lord, doing what the Lord has asked you to do, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit of God 
will always prompt you and lead you to the next decision in your life. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And sometimes you can feel it coming. <laughs> in fact, you're saying, Lord, I know you've got something for me. And then you go to church and all of a sudden you hear something. Ah, I need to go forward in that. But the Holy Spirit is working. He's working in you to reveal these hidden places in your life. That's if you are not grieving him. The Bible says, grieve not the spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Don't, don't, don't buck him. When he says something, you listen. When, when, uh, when he convicts you of sin, you get that right. Amen. But if you grieve him, then he no longer can teach you. He can't bring you the knowledge that you need because you've now pushed him away. Not only that, but quenching the Spirit of God. That means you're limiting the scope of power the Holy Spirit has in your life. He no longer can teach you. I have people telling me all the time, well, I'm not convicted, I'm not convicted. Folks, just because you're not convicted doesn't mean it's not right. Do you understand that? I remember one particular situation years ago. Someone says, I'm not convicted, but I knew they were wrong from the scripture. <laughs> Do you know something? You can tell yourself something over and over and over enough times where you no longer feel convicted about doing that particular thing or not doing it, yet it's still the right thing to do. But you've quenched the spirit of God. He says, I'm no longer going to ring your bell because you cut the bell down. Amen? It's a sad state to be in, but people can quench the Spirit of God. So when he speaks, listen. Stay sensitive to the moving of God in your life. Allow him to, on every little thing you say, everything you do, if you didn't say it right, let him tell you, get that right. Then immediately get up and say, hey, hey, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's a spirit-led believer. Now, some of you think, oh, that kind of believer is weak. That kind of believer is a man or woman of God. They acknowledge the things they say when they say, and guess what? You're going to say things that aren't right. You're going to do things that aren't right. And immediately, if you're a, abiding in him, the spirit of God will immediately say, hey, don't do that. And you as a sensitive Christian, whoa, I need to get this right now. Amen. And that way his power is just always working in your heart. You always move forward. You're always listening. You have that anointing in your life. The Holy Spirit will convict you, will help you. The word of God will guide you. And I already gave you this already. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. God will speak to you through your personal Bible reading and study. Be careful of this. I put out a Bible schedule on the back. Don't let a Bible reading schedule become a race to you. If that's all it is to you, you're not getting anything. Sometimes you need to park. Amen? There's sometimes in my Bible reading, I'll hit a verse, I'll say, oh, <laughs> I never saw that before. And let the Lord speak to your heart through that verse. 
Never let you say, oh, I got to finish my Bible reading so I can't stop. <laughs> no, the Lord just put the brakes on. You listen. You listen. You can always make up the reading later. <laughs> Going to the Word of God is about allowing those words to penetrate your heart and change you. And He will. Sometimes you'll be reading something and you'll, you'll get something in two verses. <laughs> the next time you'll be reading for a chapter and it's like, Lord... <laughs> There's something, I need something here. All of a sudden, three chapters in, he gives you something. That's where you park. And you study that. What does that word mean? What is he trying to tell me here? If he stopped me here, he's trying to get me to see something in this passage that I'm not seeing right now. He's revealing that which is hidden. Amen? Folks, when I study for a message, I don't go online. Amen. I don't go and get my messages from Joe Blow that's putting out his outlines online. I go to the Word of God and I read through my passage. And as I read through it, I begin to look at words and define words and I put them down on, on my computer and I look at them and I, and I try to find out what is God telling us here. And I'll guarantee you this, if you will take the time in whatever passage you are looking at, and you will take the time to ask yourself, what is the author trying to say? He's going to let you know. And so when I'm preaching this stuff, this is due to me going into a passage and defining the words, all of them. Get yourself a Webster's 1828 dictionary. Noah Webster, his original dictionary, the one where he had Bible verses and everything in. It's a wonderful resource to, to learn words. Amen? Or, or a good uh, concordance and so forth. And, and learn the Word of God. Study. That's why the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And most times when I talk to people <coughs> that are riddled in error, doctrinal error, it's because they're not dividing it right. They're not drawing the lines where the lines ought to be drawn. They're not separating where they ought to be separated. Amen? So the Word of God will guide you. In Hebrews 4 verse number 12 it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now you may know, well, I know, I know, I know. Well, put it to the test with the, with the sword. He may show you something about your heart you didn't know before. The Bible says the word of God is a discerner. It will be your discernment as to what you're thinking and doing is the right thing or not. Well, I just feel this is right. Well, sorry, that's the wrong way to get to the right decision. The Word of God is the right way. Amen. It's a discerner. Notice how it says, even dividing asunder of soul and spirit. What does that mean? Well, your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. It's a part that's been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God when you receive Christ as your Savior. It's sealed unto the day of redemption. But your soul is that part of you that's your manager, that's your, your thinker, your feeler, your decision maker. Amen? Your soul is the part of you that, that, that you think in. That's where your heart is. Amen? Your spirit 
It's where God wants to lead you from. From the word of God, because they're, they're spiritual words. You have to have your spirit alive to understand the word of God. Amen? So he's working from your spirit into your soul. So he's going to tell you, by the word of God, whether your emotions, which are a part of your soul, are leading you astray, or they're the right way to feel about the situation. And many times your emotions are leading you in the wrong direction. Because your emotions are the closest thing tied to your body, which is your third part. When the pressures of this world come against you, the first point of contact is your body. The second point of contact in your soul is your emotions. That's why you got to be careful of music. It comes from the outside in. The first thing it's going to touch if you're not careful is simply your emotions. And I've talked to many people that believe their emotional experience was a spiritual experience. Folks, it's coming from the wrong side. You understand that? God works from in the spirit, through the soul, through your body. He does not work from the world, into your body, through your emotions, into your spirit. You get that? It's a one-way flow. Your emotions are always the last point of contact in your, for the Spirit. What is the first thing that the Spirit touches? When you're learning something, when God teaches you, when you're reading your Bible, what's the first thing in your soul that God is trying to get the attention of? The mind. And that's why he says that we're supposed to be renewed in the Spirit of our mind. You gotta allow the words to change your thinking. And now that I've got some introduction, some doctrine, some truth entering into my mind, now it it comes up to the will. That means now I must choose. It hit my mind, now I'm gonna choose whether I'm gonna follow what I just heard from the Word of God. If you're emotional, the emotions have kicked in long before. In fact, I'll tell you something. When you're a Christian operating by principle, your emotions are also being triggered by the devil from the outside. He's trying to get you fearful. He doesn't want you to make the right decision, so he puts pressure on you from the outside so you'll make a decision against what the Spirit is saying. He wants you to rebel against the Spirit. Amen? That's why you get asked, why am I making this decision? Well, I feel, stop right there. Feel is not the right word. Say, well, I have thought on the word of God, and from what it says, I need to make this decision to do this. But my emotions are telling me, don't do that. Your family's going to hate you. You're gonna, nobody's going to love you anymore. You're going to lose your job. Da, 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 da. The devil's working from the outside trying to get you to rebel against what God is trying to get you to do from the inside. And so there's a collision. That's the lust of the spirit against the flesh. But that's where in spite of the way you feel, because you know it's right, because God's word is true, you say, I'm going to do this. Let the chips fall where they may. 
And guess what after that, what your emotions do? The soon as you make the right decision and do it, your emotions are flooded with peace. But not until you make the decision. Do you understand? So there's two kinds of believers here today. There are those that are being led by their emotions, by pressure, or those that are being led by principle. Two kinds. Pressure, principle. If you're being manipulated by pressure, you are on a wrong road. The devil's turned you around. Amen? Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. <laughs> roaring. Why is he roaring? If I want to kill somebody, I'd, I'd be quiet. I'd sneak up on him. Why is he a roaring lion? Why is he letting you know he's there? Why is he making noise? Amen? Because he's driving you in a direction. He's manipulating your fear. And they say a roar of a lion can paralyze a man. And cause you to run away. Well, what's going to happen when you run that direction? The pride is behind you. You understand? The devil is seeking to devour people through pressure and emotional manipulation. And the only thing that's going to keep you safe is if you allow the Lord to lead you according to his word. It won't feel right sometimes. You'll feel, oh man, if I do this, my, my dad will be mad at me. I mean, I'm going to be faithful. The church are going to call me. A, they're going to say, oh, what are you, some kind of a fanatic now? Going to church all the time? Man, people in this room would say that. I wouldn't. I'd say, well done. <laughs> Amen. So would the Lord. I'll guarantee you that. I'd rather be a fanatic for the Lord than have any pat on the back in this room. You get that? <laughs> Lee Robertson, a very famous preacher, said, you die to compliments, you die to criticism. You just do right. Whether people like it or not. Amen. We ought to obey God rather than man. So, what we need to understand on this, on this road that the Lord has us on, this race that we're running, is God is helping us. He is helping us. He is leading you. As you're running, he's saying, don't take that turn. Take a right. Always to the right. Always to the right. Amen. Do it right. No, what would he say? Turn not to the right nor to the left. Stay true to the principle. Amen. He also speaks to you through preaching. I tell you, God has done some pretty amazing things in my life through preaching. There's been a time we heard a message. I remember Brother Burge, me and my wife stepped forward to surrender to preach, be a, be a pastor. That was through the preaching of the Word of God. Now, I felt in my heart that maybe God wanted me to do that. I didn't really want to, you know. I was like, I'm scared of that. I don't want to do that. But it was through the preaching of the Word of God that, he, that the Lord pushed me over that edge. At the end of that invitation, when, when the preacher said, 
Is anybody here the Lord is working on their heart as to whether they're going to be a preacher, whether you were supposed to go out and be one of these missionaries, whatever. Me and my wife stood up and we went to the front through the preaching. I feel sorry for people that don't get stirred through the preaching of the Word of God. Something has been turned off in your soul and you need to turn that back on as soon as possible. I always tell people, teaching speaks to the mind. It helps you to sort out the truth and what's right and what's wrong. But preaching speaks to the heart. It'll go right smack dab to the middle of what you love and expose it. Amen. 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Folks, in my preaching, I'm going to reprove you. While I'm reproving myself. That means I'll expose sin. I'll expose weakness. Folks, when I see the church is going through something, I will over this pulpit preach something. Don't you tell me I don't have the right to do that. I can preach what this church needs over this pulpit. Reprove and rebuke. But the qualities of that are long-suffering. That means I'm not going to say, if you don't do this right now, I'm going to kick you out of here. You know, No. I'm going to keep rebuking and keep rebuking and keep reproving and keep preaching and keep preaching with all long-suffering and doctrine. That means I study. I make sure it's scriptural. I make sure the things that are say are thus saith the Lord. Amen? And there will be a time in every one of your lives where you will not like the message of this preacher. I guarantee you that. You will have to work through that. You'll have to work through it. Because next week it's coming again. And the week after it's coming again. In season. Out of season. Boy, nobody likes me today, Lord. Preach it! That's what the Lord would say. Sorry, I don't want to scare your baby. She's smiling. She likes it. (laughs) Amen. The Bible says, For the time will come where they will no longer endure sound doctrine. But they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, you won't like the message. I don't, that's just too much to carry, preacher. Endure. Sound doctrine needs to be endured. Same word when Jesus endured the cross. I always say there's preaching, that there's weight to preaching. Just like there's a weight to the cross. And some people, they're not going to listen unless they, there's no weight. I'll come to your church, but I don't want to feel any weight on my shoulders. Well, the Bible says you need to endure. The Bible says you need to feel that weight and let the weight of sound doctrine rest upon your shoulders, and then you need to make a decision that, Lord, I'm going to endure this. I'm going to stay underneath it. I'm not just going to run this first time something is required of me. I'm going to carry this doctrine on my shoulders, no matter how heavy it gets. Just like you did 2,000 years ago when they put that cross on your back. 
You could have called down legions of angels to take that cross off of you. You did not. So Lord, I'll carry the load. I'll let you reveal my heart. I'll let you deal with my sin. I'll do what it takes to make this church successful. I'll be one of those that stand. Stand with the preacher. Stand with the people. God help you if you go against the house of God. God help you. This is so important. There are souls in the balance. Look at these kids. You ought to be giving every, every bit of your lifeblood for these children to grow up godly. Amen. Amen. Endure. Well, I'm going to go home and let's talk about that preacher. Well, he just got a little overexcited today. Man, I haven't even started yet. I haven't even started getting excited about the things of God here. I'm scared I'll blow you out of the seats. You understand that? People say, you know, I like coming to church. You preach with passion. Uh, Can I tell you what that is? It's just called believing what it says. Just believing it. If I didn't believe this, I'd go to ditch digging. It's far easier on me. You get that. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something. This is real, man. (laughs) I'm going to look at the Lord one day, look straight in his eyes. He's going to say, I called you. Remember that day you and your wife came forward? Yes, Lord, remember that. Did you quit on me? Oh, it's the last thing I'd want to do is look at my Savior in his nail-scarred hands and tell him I quit on him when he endured for me. No, sir. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I did not come to this church for numbers. I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, if it's just me and my family, I'm going to trust you with that. From the first service on, I just preach at my kids. Now, they may have a problem with that. <laughs> but you know something? I never, I never place the success of this ministry or how, how happy or content I am based on how many people came into the door. You know what makes me happy? That I'm doing what God's asked me to do. So what that does is help me because if everybody here next week would say, preacher, we don't like you, we're going to a different church. I'll say, well, I still have my calling. And you know what? He may bring in a whole new group of people. <laughs> and I'm still going to do it until Jesus comes. How's that? You know? I hope you'll choose to be a part of this. But can I tell you something? You're going to have to have some weight on your shoulders. If you think this is a free ride, it's not. I know churches today, it's all about how, how much coffee you can offer at the door and you know whether you got this or that program or that. Folks, that's not church. This, this, if this isn't a part of your life, 
I can give you all the free coffee in the world, you're going to be useless for God. Amen? We've got to turn back to the book. <laughs> Let God reveal to you the things that you need revealed so you can be perfect. Not sinlessly perfect, mature. Can you honestly say today that you're exactly where the Lord wants you to be today? Say, preacher, I'm only saved 10 years. Are you a 10-year-old Christian? Well, I've been saved 30 years, preacher. Well, then maybe I should sit down and you should be the preacher. Really? I'd be for that. Want to preach a bit? 30 years in the Lord, come on. For the time they ought to be teachers. They have need that one teach them again. To be mature, to be perfect where God wants you to be. Folks, are you where God wants you to be? Let's bow our heads.